the word of the Lord from the letter to the church in Rome in chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. Therefore, since we've been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. More than that, we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person, one would even dare to die. But God shows his love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. And more than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. The text for our Gospel Proclamation is the Gospel that I read to you from the Epistle of the Romans and serves as the basis of our theme for the second Sunday in Lent. It is what it is. More than 20 years ago now, Britney Spears was a popular musical artist and cultural figure. She was very pretty, very talented, and very interesting to people as a whole. She wasn't interesting to me because I largely ignored those cultural icons in those days, preferring to spend time with my family in my free time. And thankfully, we didn't have social media to entice us with it every second of the day, every time we looked at our phones. But that was not the case with my people in my parish in Middleburg, especially the youth. They were wearing the clothes she wore, listening to the music she performed, and saying the things she said. I didn't realize it at first, but eventually I picked up on it. And one of the phrases she used that the kids repeated in my hearing was, it is what it is. On the surface, it seemed to me to be a statement that was full of sound and fury and signifying nothing, as William Faulkner would say. But over time, I learned to appreciate the greater truth that communicated, even if albeit accidentally. The reason she said it was because the press would hound her ruthlessly everywhere she went and would catch her in compromising situations. When asked about it, she would tiredly respond, it is what it is, and then say no more about it. It was as if she was saying, you saw it, you know it, 
You're obviously going to tell everyone about it. So what can I possibly add that you won't use to humiliate me even further? So this is all you're going to get. It is what it is. And this is exactly how I noticed our youth at the church using it. They likewise may have been caught in an embarrassing situation or misstep. And when we would talk about it in prayer group, I would hear the same exasperation of Brittany in their voice. It is what it is, Pastor. And I would know that they were done talking about it, and it was time to move on. We all knew the score. There was no more information necessary. And it's as plain as the nose on your face. It is what it is. Lent is definitely and is what it is season. We donned the symbolic ash cross on our forehead and we all know where we are going in the end because of our sins. There is no denying it for those who are in Christ. We have no leg to stand on. There's nothing we can do with the decision to be saved and we can't boast about anything in and of ourselves. Lent helps us to reflect on that reality. But the gospel of our Lord Jesus gives us confidence that there's nothing we can do or say to make God love us more and there's nothing we can do or say to make God love us less. In Paul's letter to the Romans, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, we also learn that it's not always easy and sometimes God has no intention of making it easier. That's hard to hear sometimes. Kind of like the Peace Corps commercials in the 70s. It's the toughest job you'll ever love. With weathered young people working in primitive communities around the world with muddy clothes and an inexplicable smile on their face. Or the Marines commercials of the 80s. We aren't looking for volunteers. We are looking for commitments showing Marines traversing impossible terrain, accomplishing seemingly impossible feats of prowess. Or Doctors Without Borders in the 90s motto, Leave No One Behind, depicting doctors in field fatigues, working in dusty conditions with gunfire often going on in the background while they care for the nearly 33 million uprooted by war. It seems a tough sale to our culture today. Who would ever want to join any of these things based on those recruiting commercials? Truth be told, even we as Christians don't always look at the church as a place we join because we know it will be hard. We look more for relief, help, or non-committal counsel so we can fix our lives quickly with painless silver bullet solutions. The movie, Evan Almighty, has one of the greatest clips I have ever seen that helps us see how God really works in our lives and expresses perfectly what Paul is saying in Romans today. Morgan Freeman, playing God, says, If someone is praying for patience, you think God gives them patience? Or does he give them the opportunity to be patient. If someone prays for courage, does he give them courage? 
Or does he give the opportunity to be courageous? If someone prays for a family to be closer, do you think God zaps them with warm, fuzzy feelings? Or does he give them opportunities to love each other? This is the glory of what Paul is talking about in verses 3 and 4 in our lesson today. The difficulties in life are exactly what God is using to give us real life that we really need. Too often we pray for relief from the very thing that God can help us see and our purpose in life more clearly. Lent helps us reflect on our real lives and admit it is what it is. And we don't have to run from it and we don't have to seek the other lives we are so envious of and so certain is the solution to all our problems. Too often, we think the perfect home is the perfect neighborhood will make us happy. And then we move in and we find out our neighbors are less than perfect. Sometimes we believe the perfect job is the perfect solution and arrive at work to find out our co-workers and even our boss is less than perfect. Sometimes we think the perfect school and the perfect church will be the solution to all our spiritual imperfections. And then we find out the parishioners and other families at the school struggle with sins we'd rather not talk about or even know about. After all, it's not supposed to be like that amongst God's people. But Lent is not about looking for that which is outside of us for what ails us on the inside of us. Lent is for reflection, introspection, starting with a man in the mirror, as Michael Jackson said in his song to that effect. Where have I gone wrong? What did I do that I shouldn't have done? From whence did I depart from the counsel of God so clearly laid out in his word? What is it about me that has hidden God from my face and prevented him from loving me like I need him to? That may be the time when we realize that it wasn't the imperfect neighbor that makes my perfect home in the perfect neighborhood less than perfect. It's me. That's when we realize that it wasn't the imperfect co-workers and less than effective supervisor that ruins my perfect career path. It's my imperfections that contribute to my dissatisfaction with my chosen vocation. And that is when we realize the church is full of sinners and the school is full of struggling families with enough room for just one more sinner like me and one more struggling family like mine. I don't know if y'all like country music. I don't listen to much, but I do like the song by Eric Church, Sinners Like Me. Here's just a couple of my favorite stanzas. I was 15 when my daddy's old man caught me halfway through my first beer. He laughed so hard when my face turned green. And he said, you come from a long line of sinners just like me. My mama had a soft spot for a hell-raising boy. 
So she had two more, just like him. It takes an angel to raise a family that comes from a long line of sinners like me. On the day I die, I know where I'm going to go. Me and Jesus got that part worked out. I'll wait at the gates till his face I see and stand in a long line of sinners like me. Lent is our time to reflect on that reality, but also to believe with confidence that because Jesus died on our place, on that cross, and rose from the dead to show us the way to eternity, our mortality is not our destiny. We will be in that long line of sinners waiting to see Jesus face to face, knowing deep down that for those of us in Christ, it is what it is because Jesus is who he is. And not because we are who we are. We can be sure. We can be confident. And we can have the hope that the glory of God is for each and every one of us. According to God's word, it is what it is. Amen. Now may that peace which surpasses all understanding Guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus always. Amen.